This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast here on the AHP Digital Radio Network, the only dedicated hunting, shooting and fishing radio show here in Australia. If you'd like to find out more about AHP, visit australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. If you would like to email us, then you can go to the website and click on the contact icon. Or alternatively, you can email me directly at australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to listen to the Australian Hunting Podcast, you can visit the website and click on the archived podcast link. You can also subscribe to the Australian Hunting Podcast on iTunes for automatic updates. Make sure you leave a comment and rate us five stars on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. On Facebook, you can find us under Australian Hunting Podcast, where listeners are sharing ideas, thoughts and opinions, as well as photos and videos. Twitter.com forward slash AHpodcast if you'd like to follow our Twitter feed. You can also check out my videos on YouTube under the name Aussie Federal Control. Alternatively, all social media links can be found on the website. Everyone knows I love my listeners, but I've got especially some extra special love for my donating listeners. If you'd like to donate or do a monthly subscription to the show, go to the website and click on the donate button on the right-hand side of the main page and show your support, which is always appreciated. That helps us keep the lights on in this joint and pay those bills. We have over 65 hours of free podcasting audio content to date for you all to enjoy. Share the Australian Hunting Podcast with your friends and family and get as many people as you know into hunting, shooting and fishing as possible so they can enjoy this fantastic lifestyle that we all love. So as usual, without further ado, let's get into my interview with today's guest. This is Rod Drew, CEO of Field and Game Australia. This is Rob Fickling from Beyond the Divide and Maroka 30. Hi, this is Col Allison, hunter, journalist for 42 years and a shooter. Hi, this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist. This is Charlie Jacoby from Field Sports Britain. Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Mark Little, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. This is the Everyday Hunter. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for having me. No worries. Um, I just wanted to find out. Tell us about yourself on a bit of a personal level. Hunt, shoot, fish, all of the above, and what do you enjoy? I hunt, shoot, fish, all of them, but uh, my primary interest is hunting. Um, I've, um, I'm 59 years of age, and I started um, shooting with an air rifle at the age of 14, and I used to save my lunch money by 500 pellets a week and basically um, shoot them off throwing cans in the air. A couple of years later, through a German short-head pointer I had, I got involved with the German short-head pointer club. They had a clay target shoot. I was 16, had my first shoot at clay targets, and three months later I was number one in the Australian uh, international skeet team for the World Championships and the Commonwealth Games. The next year I shot the World Championships again, got picked for the 76 Olympics, worked 11 years in the industry with um, Winchester, Custers that were then the Seiko, Lambo, Bushmill agents, Artemis Sports with their fat arms. Um, and all this time I've, con- I've continued to hunt. 
uh, won a national champ in a champions and down the line in 1986, but I've only shot 20 trap targets since. <laughs> all, my to- all my time is on hunting. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to say, when you uh, when you were a bit younger, did you did your family hunt? Was it a family tradition or not really, or something you just got into yourself? My father had about seven brothers, and they would go spotlighting um, over summer, maybe twice a year. They weren't really hunters, but um, one of the uncles became best mates with one of the Winchester reps, and so they started hunting ducks and quail together, and they were both a huge influence on me, um, and all I wanted to do was go hunting from the time I was about 14. <laughs> um, you were mentioning your work for Winchester and some of those guys and etc. What was it? What was it like back? You know, in those days, working for say importers of those particular manufacturers. Yeah, well, Winchester in particular in those days were trying to get their market share of the market off uh, ICI or Ely, and so the managing when I made um, the team for the Commonwealth Games, the managing director said, "Give him a job," which was great, but they had no job for me. Um, and um, so I would virtually, I had ammunition, guns, expenses, and I would jump in the car and take my dog hunting three times a week because I had no job to do. So it doesn't do much for a work ethic, but it was a fantastic job in those days. <laughs> what about um, uh, Commonwealth Games and stuff? Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, I went to the 1974 Commonwealth Games in Christchurch. Um, I'd just turned 18. Um Look, really, I partied for the whole time. I came seventh. I probably could have got a place if I had have been serious. But clay target shooting was never my interest. Hunting was my interest. I enjoyed winning, but uh, yeah, hunting was was my first love. Yeah, I wanted to find out why. Why do you like hunting? What is it about hunting that sort of keeps you interested? It's interesting. It's not. Um, it's not killing an animal or a bird because. Um, you know, some of my best hunts haven't involved me being able to take anything. I think it's the anticipation of locating a deer or flushing the quail flushing or an arrival of a duck, the ducks that gets the adrenaline going and a big attractant. I think um, with the exception of foxes, we eat everything we shoot. So being able to share real good game meals with family and friends is another reason why I've got obsessive compulsive hunting disorder. Um, and I think to the reward from what you put in is directly proportionate to the effort you put in. Um, for instance, last year in America, I shot a uh, bag of ducks in minus 30 degrees weather. I was near frozen, but it was probably one of the most enjoyable hunts I've ever had. What are, I know a lot of people react differently when people decide to go hunting and then you tell friends, family, work, colleagues, etc., what are your, some of the people's reactions to you hunting and shooting when you know, they find out either by accident or you tell them? Yeah, well, it's pretty interesting because I work in human services and there's a lot of people there who traditionally fit the anti-hunting demographic. Initially, they, a lot of them are horrified, um, but give them a taste of some good game meat, which I often put on at work as a bit of a, a treat. Um, dispel some of the myths spread by the media and demonstrate to them that you're not only a hunter, but you're also a father, a husband, a Christian, a conservationist, and most of them turn pretty supportive. I think it's our media that have got a lot, of, lot to answer for with, um, you know, the adverse reactions you initially get. Yeah. 
Um, when we were talking about hunting, I know before we spoke off the air uh, the other day, we spoke about um, what sort of animals you enjoy hunting. Tell us uh, what Mark likes to hunt. <laughs> um, in a typical year, I would hunt ducks, deer, quail, pheasant, rabbits, roos, goats, foxes, but ducks and deer are my favourites. Why in particular ducks and deer? I'd like you to go into what is it about those particular species that uh, Mark enjoys hunting those? Yeah, I, I think um, with ducks it's very much um, the tradition. I had my 40th duck, Victorian duck opening this year and a tradition of getting together with family and close friends, getting out. Um, the challenge is, um, sounds silly, outsmarting a duck, um, but... Um, <laughs> So the use of decoys and duck calls and getting them within range and then shooting them, um, and they're a good meal. And with deer, I think it's as much the environment as the deer itself, and the deer are a reason to be out there. But when when you're um, stalking deer, uh, you've you just become one of the creatures of the forest, and it's an amazing experience. And even with the hunting over hounds. Um, when the hounds start giving voice, the, the hair on the back of your neck stands on end. When you let's go into a couple of different things, I wanted to sort of explore that a bit more. Now, when you're hunting ducks, what's your? I mean, I'm not sure if you've got a specific call. What are your go-to calls, and what does what does Mark enjoy hunting his ducks with uh, in regards to shotguns? Yeah, with the shotgun, um, I've recently changed over to shooting a fab arm camo side by side. Yep. Uh, it's a 12-gauge gun. It's heavy, but it is a really nice gun to shoot ducks with. It patterns really well. Um, I use um, a lot of decoys on most occasions. I use the spinning wing decoys yep. as an attractant. Um, I use a variety of species too. Um, black ducks, to me, are black ducks, but... Um, the full range of um, wood ducks, um, shovelers, uh, pink-eared ducks uh, work amazing. Um, you'll find, um, you know, that the shovelers will come in on the shovelers' decoys. The hardhead will come in on the hardhead decoys. Uh, they just work fantastic, the pink-ear especially. <laughs> what about what about go-to loads? Well, I mean, obviously, you're in Victoria, correct? So what sort of... I know you're in southern New South Wales, I should say. No, so, yep. Yeah, southern New South Wales? Uh, I do shoot in southern New South Wales, but oh. I'm in I'm in Victoria. That's correct. Um, yeah. What sort of loads do you? I mean, obviously, steel down there when you're on the uh, uh, yeah wetlands. So give me give me both. Actually, what loads do you use uh, for steel, and what about loads? So when you you, know, you pop into uh, New South Wales for your uh, rice hunting mitigation shooting. Yep. Um, for hunting ducks in Victoria with steel, um, I love the new Australian-made Winchester 34 gram duck loads. Um, they're one of the best killing steel shells I've ever used. Um, and if I'm shooting um, the bigger, bigger species of ducks, mountain ducks and, um, and longer shots on um, wood ducks or black ducks, I'll often use the Remington 34 gram loads. They both go really well through my gun. Yep, yep. Um, what a bit, let's go. Let's get on to. I want to talk about a bit about deer too. What's um, what's the go-to caliber for Mark in regards to hunting his uh, big game down in there in Victoria? Yeah, I I um, 
had a bit of a consolidation of my rifles last year, and uh, I'm a right-hander who shoots left-handed, so I got a left-handed Browning A-bolt in 3006, um, and um, that is, that's my one-deer rifle these days. I'll use my from fellow December. Right, okay. Um, do you, I know you were telling me before, I wanted to go into this a bit more and I wanted to sort of discuss this uh, uh, with uh, for my guests too. You're part of the Game Management Authority, if I've got that correct, in Victoria. Um, on the board, if I'm correct. Now, can you tell us about that? Yeah, I'm, um, the Game Management Authority um, was commenced on the 1st of July uh, last year. So it's only been in place less than 12 months. Um, I'm a board member on the Game Management Authority, and uh, I, you know, it's, there's nine board members um, with varying degrees of knowledge of hunting. Some come in with financial expertise, some come in um, with governance expertise. Um, but the aim of the Game Management Authority is to increase hunting opportunities to ensure the sustainability of game hunting. Um, we're also responsible for the enforcement, so the compliance with the hunting and the wildlife regulations, um, provide advice to the Minister on hunting, pest management and some firearms issues. Yep. And we've also got a role in monitoring and promoting the economic benefits of hunting, and I'd, I'm sure you would have seen the report that came out um, last year and the value of hunting in Victoria of something like four hundred and thirty million a year. Yep, yep, I did. Yeah, so that's that's part of our role. We're very anxious to get some runs on the board. Um, unfortunately, the first three months it was going. We were pretty much had to set up the governance, the policies, and the procedures. Then we had an action plan, which was signed off by the minister, um, and then the government went into caretaker mode prior to the election. We got a new minister, a new government, and um, we had to see whether she would accept the action plan, which she has, and appears very supportive of hunting. So now we can start to implement a few things and really kick a few goals. Yep. So when they, when you just saw, how did you find out you were accepted to the board? I guess what experience and what and what are you bringing to the table in regards to that game management authority board? Yeah, it was it was an interesting because it was an international recruitment um, company that um, filled the positions on the board, and I went in with an interview because the, the key selection criteria talked about financial expertise, a lot of scientific qualifications, and the only one that came close um, was knowledge of game hunting. So I went into the interview and I said, um, you know, you've got you've got all these key selection criteria. I'm not sure I'm the right person, but, um, you know, if you want to know about hunting, uh, probably if they gave doctorates, I'd be, I'd be of a PhD in hunting. Um, <laughs> but I also have Aboriginal descent, and um, so I can represent Aboriginal communities. I've worked in the industry. I can represent industry. Um, I have been a past um, state delegate for the Australian Deer Association, the past national delegate for the Field and Game Association, and I've been around for 40-something years hunting. So if you want a jack-of-all-trades, I could be a person. And sort of left it at that and got the call back and they offered me a position on the board. Wow. 
how was it? What was it like between, as you said, the, the the new minister? I think taking over has that been an interesting time over, say, the last you know uh, three to four months? I think since you know, the new, obviously Daniel Andrews has come in. Yeah, well, I must admit personally to being a little bit fearful. Peter Walsh, the previous minister, was fantastic. He set up the Game Management Authority uh, and was very supportive. Uh, and we got a new minister we didn't know much about, but she um, has been absolutely fantastic, endorses the plan, is supportive of hunting, very supportive of the economical benefits of hunting. So um, she hasn't put a foot wrong yet. <laughs> I know you were talking about before recently, I know you said you, you participate uh, before in clay targets, but any other non-hunting related activities now, or purely just hunting now, rifle target clays, anything yeah. uh, recently? Not not much, if if I wasn't talking to you tonight I'd be um, at the pistol club shooting handguns, which I do every fortnight, I have a couple of rounds of skeet before duck opening just to get my eye in, and um, I also pr- shoot just enough rounds of sporting clays to justify owning a um, Remington pump gun. Ah, uh, yeah, the 870. Yep. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about, I know we spoke about 3006 for deer and obviously 12 gauge, but what are you, I mean, what's, what's I guess, and I was going to specific details, I guess, but what's you know, Mark's go-to calibres in regards to his, to, his, to his game hunting and say what's your favourite rifle or shotgun you own? Let's go through that as well. The, go, the go-to guns are the, the the thirty oh six Browning A bolt love that for deer and um, it's a bit big for goats but I use it for goat goats um, the fat um side by side for ducks and foxes if I'm shooting them in a drive um, I've got a little twenty gauge side by side I use for quail and pheasants and also for training young people what brand's that one the uh, twenty gauge what's that in yeah that's a little is a Turkish side by side, um, just a nice little gun. Um, I'll probably update it to America under and over or something like that in the future. But for the time being, it's perfect. All right, I know, mate. We were talking about um, we're off the air. You big fan of the side by sides, and I was I was looking at one myself too. What do you what are you fan? Is it nostalgia? You think the uh, side by sides point better? What do you what do you think in regards to side by side under and over? Do you enjoy both, or what do you think? I love um, I love autos actually, but they won't let us use them. Um, <laughs> clay targets with an auto, especially skeet, and loved it. We can't use them. If I was only shooting clay targets, or I was shooting clay targets and hunting with the one gun, I would choose an under and over. Um, they're a lot more um, pointable on targets, and they do really well. With hunting, I choose a side by side for hunting, um, mainly because their pointability. And years ago, um, we used to always have um, raw ribs on our trap guns, um, and there's no broader rib than a side by side. Um, and uh, shotgunning is all about pointing, not about aiming. And uh, I find it hard to aim a side by side, but it's very easy to point it. They handle beautifully. The only qualifier I'd say is um, low-grade side-by-sides are not um, not all that good. You really need to get a well-made one. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, 
I asked this question to uh, a lot of people that are on the show. If you could break it down, tell us what it means to be a hunter and shooter and fisherman, say, in the 21st century. Um, these days, it's probably a combination of an outdoorsman, conservationist, marksman, probably chucking a chef. And um, I think also there's an increased emphasis on being respectful of the law, the environment, um, the principles of fair chase, and also the non-hunting public. And I think that has changed a lot, um, you know, over the last 20 years or so. But I think that's what it means to be a hunter these days. Yep. I know you were, we were talking before previously as well, I think we asked this a bit earlier, but what is it about hunting and shooting that keeps you coming back and what do you enjoy so much? You said uh, before, uh, I'm not sure if you said it on the show, but on the uh, we spoke before that you hunt like something like 40 weeks a year and you've pretty much got the live. So why why so much? Because you, you just get the opportunity. What is it about it? I'm probably fortunate that, um, you know, my children are grown up and I've got some great... Um, nephews and um, grandchildren that are coming along that love it, uh, I've now got the opportunity that, to do what I wanted to do um, but couldn't do as frequently. Last year, I can, it was, was 45 weeks of the year I actually went hunting, um, so yeah, I suppose I went bastard. fishing on the other <laughs> seven. Sorry? <laughs> I said, you lucky bastard. <laughs> yeah, oh, look, I've got the best wife in the world, so that helps. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I do really enjoy the preparation of game meals and sharing them. Uh, that, is, that is a really, um, really big thing. Um, and, um, you know, we'll, it's, it's nothing to have um, 30 people here for a, a bit of a game banquet with 13 courses. Um, and it's just part of what I love to do. Yeah, when you go out, you know, you're like you're out in the bush, or you're in a duck blind hunting ducks, whatever it may be. What do you What do you enjoy about that? What do you enjoy about being out in the bush? Um, if usually when I'm on my own, um, the sunrises and sunsets when duck hunting are just amazing. The creatures that are, you know, people look, people, non hunters will look at a swamp and go. What a horrible, stinky hole. You know, we look at it, we see the, the life that's in that swamp. Um, and I've, I've got some magnificent photos at home of um, sunrises and sunsets because I just can't help but take a photo of them. They look so great. Um, and um, I think I said before, with, with deer, especially in, those, in that high country, uh, it's magnificent country and you, um, you're getting koala bears and wombats and foxes and things just getting up under the feet, not scared of you because they think you are just another forest creature. Um, that, that to me is, um, keeps me coming back. I th- and I also don't think you can underestimate the social aspects of sharing a campfire with family and good hunting mates. Um, that, that is fantastic too. And you meet other hunters and most of them, you don't meet too many that are not good blokes. True. Uh, we're just going to go to a quick break. We'll be right back with Mark Little for our Everyday Hunter series. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. For everything Bushnell, go to Red Fox Outdoor Supplies online store. For a full range of Bushnell rifle scopes, rangefinders, binoculars, night vision, spotting scopes and hoppies gun cleaning products. Red Fox are also major online retailers for the popular Aussie Maxbox brand. 
and the rest of the innovative products distributed by Eagle Eye Hunting Gear, all at Red Fox Outdoor Supplies. So go to the website redfoxoutdoorsupplies.com.au or phone Greg on 0412 495 712. Hey Mars, did you know there's a place in New South Wales that gun owners, hunters and sporting shooters are very familiar with? Of course Jason, that place is Horsley Park Gun Shop. That's because they've been around for 30 years and have built a reputation for being the best in the business. They have an extensive range of firearms, ammunition, gun safes, optics and accessories for all your hunting and shooting requirements. And did you know, Jason, they always have bulk ammo specials? Absolutely. The friendly staff at Horsley Park Gun Shop are always there to help you and give you the best advice. Horsley Park Gun Shop are open Monday to Saturday and you can find them on the internet at hpgs.com.au. Come and talk to the team at Horsley Park Gun Shop at 1848 Horsley Road, Horsley Park. Or call them on 9620-1313. The Sporting Shooters Association of Australia proudly presents the largest event for the sport shooting industry right here in Melbourne. The SSAA Shot Expo, May the 23rd and 24th. For the true enthusiast, the SSAA Shot Expo showcases the professionalism and commitment to safety of sport shooting in Australia. Safety and training demos, ethical hunting and conservation, outdoor and camping, archery, it's all on show. The SSAA Shot Expo, Melbourne Showgrounds, May the 23rd and 24th. Pay on the day or go to shotexpo.com.au for sponsors, exhibitors and online bookings. Do you hunt deer and want to learn the correct techniques for a quality wall mount and premium eating venison? SSAA Sydney Branch provides hunter education courses to help you become a better hunter and to utilise harvested game in the most effective way possible. Course content includes gunning, butchering and caping from experienced hands-on instructors using locally harvested deer. There is no gear required and also includes a barbecue lunch. Courses are held every first Sunday of each month with an 8am sign-in for a 9am start. Course running time is approximately 6 hours and the venue is Silverdale Rifle Range. Cost is $50 per person so call Andy Mallon at Silverdale Rifle Range on 0246531440 or visit www.sydney.net. All right, Mark, I know you were talking about uh, hunting for meat. Now, there's obviously different aspects of that, hunting for meat. You know, it's a culture. You know, some people out there, which is true, just, you know, purely about feral animal control and they don't eat their meat. Why do you hunt in particular? What particular reasons? Yeah, it's, it's tough. As, as I said before, I'm of Aboriginal descent. I've probably got a background of 40,000 years of my ancestors hunting food. Um, and I'm sure that, like myself, you know, they bloody enjoy the process of hunting that food. Um, so it, it is the, the whole experience. The meat, the meat is like the fine, and the food is like the final stage of the hunting experience. I do, I don't get a great kick out of um, hunting foxes, but I do a number of fox drives every year, especially at the local field and game branch. We do state game reserves. Um, and um, other problems because they are a pest and need to get rid of them. I'd much rather um, hunt something that I can turn into food. So, um, <laughs> you know, so rabbits, sense. rabbits, for instance, I get much more 
enjoyment helping a farmer out um, shooting rabbits. Um, and fortunately, too, there's so many deer getting around now that um, I've been getting a few calls from farmers where they've had um, deer coming onto their property eating their fruit trees or veggie gardens and it's much better to have me or another hunter come out, shoot those animals, use the meat rather than them just get poisoned or left where they rot, uh, left to rot where they're fallen, you know, when they're being culled. Yeah, makes sense. I know a lot of people, especially when you call hunting a sport, everyone freaks out. Um, Do you think it's a sport, culture, a means of getting food, all of the above? How would you describe it? Ooh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it a sport. Um, it's definitely an activity, um, and it's a traditional activity. It's an enjoyable activity. It's a legal activity, and it's a sustainable activity. Um, it's a way of gathering meat. It's a way of managing pest animals. Um, I think it's a, you know, a, a really good activity. But I don't, you know, sport to me is football, cricket, that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, how would you, I mean, obviously you've come up uh, against this probably in your time and your, in your vast experience of hunting. For someone that's, say, never hunted before, you know, shot, I mean, there's even people out there that haven't even fished before, to be honest. How would you explain to them so they could understand why you love this lifestyle so much? Yeah, I think there's so many um, preconceived ideas people have, usually based upon misinformation from media or uh, teachers or aunties. Um, And I think it's important to dispel those um, those myths, those preconceived ideas. And I think you've got to be respectful of their views, but share your stories too and try and get them to be respectful of... You know, we're not going to make everyone into a hunter, but we've got to, um, we want people to tolerate hunting just like I tolerate pushbike riding. Um, I've got no intention of doing it myself, but I tolerate it and I wouldn't try and stop them. I love taking people out shooting and hunting for the first time. Um, it's very rarely that someone doesn't get hooked the first time they they shoot something, um, whether it be a target or whatever. And um, I also um, find that cooking up some good game meals helps that comprehension of what it's all about. Yeah, let's talk about some of the game meats. What about the wife? She enjoy the game meats? Yeah, um, because I I fancy myself as a bit of a chef, so I do most of the cooking. She does most of the eating. Oh um, no! <laughs> yeah, so um, you know we, you know we've got a few particular favourites: um, Kentucky Fried Rabbit, our own version of KFC, is popular. Um, an Asian style duck breast. Um, Cooked on the barbecue with coriander and fried noodles is another one. Um, venison silver side, I haven't had anyone try that that uh, hasn't come back for more. Um, and that, what's the other favourite? Oh, cream of pheasant soup. That's the other one. Cream of never never had that. Oh, come down to come down to Victoria and I'll cook you up a batch. <laughs> Magnificent. Do you? I mean, do you really enjoy that process of you know getting the game and you know from from sort of, you know, out in the bush to, to preparing it to, you know, to getting it home? Is that something that you really enjoy? I'm not I'm not that keen on um, carrying out deer. Um, 
it, uh, you know, I usually end up at the chiropractors the following week. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, the reward is definitely there when you come back and, you know, you get a kick out of people enjoying it and it's promoting, um, you know, non-hunters, it's promoting hunting at the same time. I went to a, um, I was a send-off for a person that works with my wife and um, two of the guests, one of them stood for the Greens at the last election and his wife was greener than what he was. Um, and I served them up um, duck, roux kebabs, um, and what was the other? Might have been pheasant breasts. And uh, they went crazy over it. They asked if um, they asked if they could have any leftovers to take home, and which could be typical greens. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> no. But and then they started asking questions about hunting and shooting. They were under the belief that things were just shot and left. So there's you know someone you've changed purely through a nice meal. Yeah, pretty amazing stuff. I know you were talking about some of the benefits, you know, when you've had a call from a farmer. What do you think some of the benefits uh, that have contributed either by hunting feral animals on public or private land? How does it help out? It is expensive to pay professional colours to come in and and remove pest animals. Poison is indiscriminate and should be totally banned everywhere. Um, With with hunters and... um, Using hunters to remove pest animals, you've got a level of expertise, you've got uh, a level of organisation, and the game meat is not being wasted. If it's a fox, usually the, at least the scalps are taken, if not the skin. Um, it's, a, it's a win-win situation. Yeah. I know you, you, you said you've obviously been hunting for a long time. I mean, I want to get this experience. I'm obviously, I, I'm only fairly new back into this sport. I mean, I obviously had a license for a long time. I've only probably hunted the last seven years. Um, over the span of your, your, your life and, and, and your hunting uh, career, so to speak, what have the changes been like, say, over you know, that last 40 years? You know, what was it like hunting? Do you think there's too much red tape these days? Is it out of control? Is it better? Is it worse? I'd like to just find that out from you. As far as um, the access to places to hunt, as far as the regulations around firearms ownership, around acceptance of, uh, of hunting as a legitimate activity uh, in the public's eyes, we've, um, you know, we've gone so far backwards, it, it's not funny. Um, you know, the days of... Um, of as a 17-year-old catching a, a train home from the city um, with a automatic shotgun in a gun case, um, and every, no one took any notice. It was you may as well have a briefcase. Um, that that has all changed. Um, but conversely, too, there's some good things. When I started hunting deer in 1983, um, you could go out um, to good deer country. And have five or six trips without seeing a deer, without being honked at. Nowadays, it is extremely rare to go out, and you mightn't be able to get a shot, but to not see a deer. So right. there's a the good side of it too. Um, so what if, you, if let's say Mark was in charge? What would he do for the future? What would he change? What, what do you think would would be benefit, say, the hunting, you know, and shooting community? All right. If if I was king of Australia. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> the um, 
Well, look, look at the firearms first. There's that many anomalies with the current legislation. Uh, it's not funny, and they need to be corrected. Uh, for instance, I can I can be trusted to own handguns and a pump-action shotgun, but the government, government doesn't feel well I can be trusted to use that shotgun on anything bar clay targets. I can't take it out hunting foxes or whatever, pest destruction or any other hunting, that type of thing. Um, so... When I'm King of Australia, I'd probably like to see sporting-type pump-action and semi-auto shotguns considered Category B, and probably rimfire rifles too. I say sporting-type because I think the public have not yet ready to see the riot-gun-type pump-actions, the Frankie Spaz-type pump-actions, um, freely available as uh, bolt-action centrefire, for instance. Yep, yep. I'd make suppressors legal for rifles. It's everywhere else in the world they're, they're legal. You've got OH&S issues, issues, helps your hunting. It doesn't disturb um, farmers or other users of the bush. Um, I'd certainly bring that in. Um, I'd make self-defence using a firearm part of law too. I think it's ridiculous that you can't protect um, yourself or your family. And I think um, with some of the the recent activities like the Lint Cafe and so on, it makes it all the more important. Uh, from, a, from a hunting side of things, a lot of the things are in our um, game management authority plan. So in Victoria, we've got around 200 state game reserves. Most of them are for um, duck hunting. Why not open them up for duck hunting, quail hunting, deer hunting, because the deer will shift into them. Um, and... Also, let the the shooters, the hunters, shoot the rabbits and foxes. That, um, that to me, is logical and good use of public land that was paid for with hunters' money. Um, and I think, too, um, we've got, well, well, I said we've got 200 state game reserves. Only about, we'd lucky to have 5% of them that have got any water in them. Um, so they're virtually useless. They all need... Um, more than a fair crack at environmental water allocations or original flows restored so that uh, they can, you know, sustain the breeding of water birds and the hunting as well. Yep, good stuff. I want to talk about two things. You talk about sporting firearms. This is an interesting one. I know we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later when you went to America. Um, what about, you know, we know um, certain types of firearms, uh, being in Australia, mainly AR-15, especially semi-automatic long arms. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I know you've been to America, but we will get to that. Um, you know, the government here and, and our sporting associations, as you would know, support the ownership of uh, pistols, um, which, you know, I would say around the world is a good 95% of the crime committed. Now, I know we're worried about the AR-15s, as they say, because they, they're being used in mass shootings around the United States, but technically it's under, it's very little, it's, I think it's actually under 1% of those particular firearms are used in mass shootings in the United States. So, at least of a 10-round magazine, was that something you would support, um, you know, a sporting shooter owning, or you think the public's just not ready for that yet, or what would you do? I'd support it, but I'm sure the public's not ready for it. If you, if you can be licensed and trusted to have a firearm, there shouldn't be any limit or restriction on what they are. Now, that means, you know, you've probably got to demonstrate that you are the right person. Yeah. Um, and so if that's the case, there should be 
you know, it should pretty much be unrestricted. I'm not I'm not so sure about fully automatic firearms because I'm not sure that they have any sporting benefits. I've, I've got no interest in AR-15s, but if I did, what's wrong with me having one? I'm not going to do any harm with it. You know, there's no problems with the... I think I saw it on Facebook the other day. It's not the number of guns we have that's the problem. It's in whose hands they are. Yeah, I was, I was I was talking to a lot of friends. I got a few as, as maybe you do too. I got a few lot of friends in the United States, and it's becoming very popular now. People say, "Well, who uses an AR-15 to hunt?" And I said, "I don't know. Probably there's actually more gun owners in the United States that use ARs for hunting than there's actually gun owners in Australia." So I mean, it's it's, it's getting yeah. pretty popular. <laughs> oh yeah, and um, you know they talk about the US gun culture like it's a bad thing. I wish we had it. <laughs> why? Why is that? Tell me. Explain. Actually, let's go into that before we go to the next one, Mark. Tell me. You, you went to America. You really enjoyed yourself. Tell us what you did and, and and what you mean by that statement about the American gun culture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really, we spent seven weeks there, and um, really spent just about all that time in Colorado, where we have family friends. Um, the way they manage wildlife over there is something we really need to learn. I saw mule deer every day. Um, I saw elk, white-tailed deer and pronghorn antelope uh, at least once a week. Um, now, I had a permit to hunt on a property, but not where I was seeing the deer. Um, and um, they have all these walk-in reserves. I think in Colorado um, there's something like... Um, 200,000 hectares of what they call walk-in land where licensed hunters can go in and they can shoot quail, they can shoot pheasants, they can shoot turkey, they can shoot deer, they can shoot ducks um, and they're all leased off farmers and the farmers get a, a tax concession for leaving this land aside and allowing access to licensed hunters. These sorts of things we could learn from. They're very law-abiding people over there. Everyone now, I didn't go to Los Angeles, New York, or Chicago, the big cities, yeah, but yeah. everyone over there seems to hunt or fish, or if they don't, they support it. Um, they're right into the concealed carry of handguns. All the locals, like I shot, um, I shot ducks over there, I shot scale quail, I shot bobwhite quail, I shot pheasants, um, and... What else did I shoot? I'm sure. Oh, that's right. I wanted to shoot a turkey before Thanksgiving, but uh, I never saw turkeys until the day after the season closed. They're very law-abiding, so, um, you know, you, there's no, no poaching or shooting something the day after the season over there. Yeah. Uh, but every person I hunted with, and these, these are just uh, everyday hunters, I suppose, um, Perfect, well done, touche Yep, yep <laughs> They all carried handguns And they said, we've got a right to feel safe We've got a right to self-defence We can choose to use it or not use it But we don't want to be victims And they also don't trust their government wanting to take them as well <laughs> So so that's that's part of it But um, yeah, but most of them you would never know They, they had a concealed firearm They yeah. don't flash them around or anything like that and from seeing it, Mark, from seeing that um, firsthand, what was your thoughts on the people in particular? Because obviously a lot of people that maybe listen to my show never been to the United States. I mean, it wasn't chaos, was it? What was the general feeling about the people you hung out with, just normal people? Ah, oh, normal people love their, 
loved their hunting, loved their shooting, loved their firearms. They weren't scared to spend money on them. Um, I can't say the people I went with uh, were the best shots in the world, although there was a couple of reasonable ones. Um, but, um, yeah, no, they just live for it. And to go into Bass Pro or Cabela's and see the range of equipment they have is just amazing. Yep. Um, talking about that, I mean, obviously they're very proactive over in the United States about, you know, d- defending their, their culture, their firearms ownership, everything to do with that, their hunting. What can Australians do to protect uh, uh, their firearms ownership here in Australia? Because, you know, we generally can be fairly apathetic, so what do we need to do? I would say extremely apathetic. I think I think <laughs> hunters in Australia are the most apathetic group I've ever seen in my life. Um, they'll shit can their organisations for not doing enough to protect their interests, but how many of them get off their bums and personally do anything? I think um, hunters, for a start, have got to be an active member of um, a political party, whatever suits them, try to influence from the political side. Um, I think they've got to be members of a hunting organisation, at least. Um, I'm a member of a few, mainly to, just to provide support and numbers. They need to use their members of parliament, contact them regularly, be respectful, but um, ask the questions, why, why, why? And uh, most MPs have to respond, and it takes time, and end up they say, well, why don't we do something about this? I'm getting sick of having to respond to all these people contacting us. Use use the media. You know, we seem to be um, always on the defensive in the media with anything related to honey. I think we need to be proactive and put more good stories out and seek tame um, journalists. And um, when something comes up that's actively hunting, that's anti-hunting, actively oppose it. Um, people just sit back and go, oh, here we go, we're putting up with this again. I think hunters, you know, have copped it too long and they've got to take some responsibility for themselves. Well said, Mark. I've been saying it for a long time, and I don't you know, hassle out shooters. It's more just say people try and get off their quinces and start trying to do something, talking to their local members. And I get people emailing me all the time saying, you know, I, I, I wrote to my member. I'm not sure what difference it's going to make. I said, mate, that's the start. If you didn't do it, you know, how are we ever, how are we ever going to... You know, to move forward. So, you know, I always say, mate, we, if we had more people, like if only we had 750,000 more of you, we'd be a lot better off. That's for sure. Um, let's talk about this is a, an interesting one, um, especially you being in Victoria. I mean, uh, your pro gun uh, political parties in Victoria, obviously, we just had this election just recently, obviously, uh, with the changeover of government. You know, we had Country Alliance, which is obviously pro firearm, the Liberal Democrats. Pro Firearm and the and the Shooters and Fishers Party who did some uh, good uh, preference deals to get two people in Parliament. So, I mean, do you vote for a pro-gun party or do you vote for a major party? Ever since the early 80s when our Premier John Cain tried to um, bring in what seemed extreme gun laws at the time, which are very mild by what we're stuck with now, um, I've always voted for whichever political party I considered will best represent my hunting interest. I'm purely a single-issue voter. Yep. Uh, yep. So, um, yeah, I would not... You know, that is the primary reason they could say, you know, we're going we're gonna to put the price of petrol up 300%. I wouldn't care as long as they supported firearms and hunting. Yeah. With you, I mean, again, if you, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. Do you, do you feel you want to share who you voted for at the election or you prefer not um, to? Or? Yeah, I 
where we were in the country, it was um, a matter of who you could vote for. We didn't have a Shooters and Fishers Party uh, representative in the lower house. Um, and given the Nationals' um, support of hunting in Victoria, in the lower house I voted Nationals, and in the upper house I voted Shooters and Fishers. Okay, good, yep. Because we know Daniel, most of you... Sorry, go on, yep. I was going to say Daniel Young is our Northern Victorian representative, so hopefully my yep. vote helped. And we've seen Bridget McKenzie, who I actually did an interview with just a couple of weeks ago. I haven't released that one yet, but I interviewed her from the Nationals as well. She's been fairly vocal if, you, if you've heard her on Facebook and seen her around doing her um, you know, parliamentary speeches on hunting and defending hunting. It was a really good show, so hopefully you tune in for that one. So she's been doing a great job. Yeah, well, Bridget is um, one of our... Um, she's actually based in Bendigo, where I am, and um, she is very keen asking lots of questions about hunting, shooting. She um, she asked a mate of mine to give her some tips um, before she went to the annual politician's shoot. Uh, she's, she's a real winner. And Daniel Young and Jeff Borman in Victoria, they're working their guts out and doing real well. I wanted to ask you, I mean, are you happy? I mean, obviously, you know, Shooters and Fishers are only new. Obviously, Nationals aren't new. Are you, are you happy uh, with their performance? Are they making progress in the political arena that you'd like? Where, you know, what do you think? Look, um, I have a, a fair relationship um, with both Daniel and Jeff here in Shooters and Fishers. They are really working hard. They are kicking goals. They're taking advantage of the fact that um, one day the Labor Party may need their vote to get something important through. Um, they are doing real well. They're getting out there. They're mixing with the hunters. They're mixing with the hunting organisations. They're finding out what people's wants are and they're getting in there and fighting tooth and nail. You can't ask for more than that. Um, the, Na the National Party, when they were in power, they did some good things, especially... Um, Peter Walsh, but I think they were held back by their city Liberal colleagues and uh, I don't think that helped them and as I said before, so far the Labor Party's been very supportive of hunting, mm. which was a bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, what... Um what do you think these parties, I mean, obviously around the state or even just in your state, but around around the country nationally, what do you think our political parties, whether it doesn't matter who you vote for, what, what can they do better in the future? What would you like to see? Uh, the National Firearms Accord, um, that's got to be reviewed um, and common sense changes made to it. Um, they can't continue to assume that firearm owners can't be trusted. Um, and a lot of politicians are hanging their hat on what a wonderful thing it was. Um, I think it was the greatest injustice that's ever been inflicted on Australians. Um, so I think that firearms accord's got to be reviewed. Um, I don't believe... And as part of that, you've got to look at the value of gun registries... Um, they're very expensive to run and what do they actually achieve um, and even within the firearms accord there's lots of little regulations that could probably be tweaked at a state level if there was the goodwill of the state governments mm. 
Fantastic, Mark. On this show, we do five questions in under a minute. It is a bit of a uh, fun segment. So do you think you're going to be able to take the challenge? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the challenge. I don't know about a fun segment. It might be fun <laughs> for you. I'm not sure about the poor interviewee. <laughs> All right, I'm going to start it uh, when I start asking the first question in three, two, one. In five words or less, what hunting means to you? It means major part of my life. Okay, favourite game species of all time to hunt, what is it and why? Samba deer, they're just so wise and um, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> Best thing you love about bird hunting, what is it and why? Uh, the tradition is yep. the main thing. Alright, if you could hunt anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? I would hunt doves in Argentina purely to get that level of shooting. Nice. Favourite piece of hunting equipment you own? What is it and why? Probably a duck call I made myself out of um, Australian black bottle. Nice. 52.55. You've done it. Wow. Uh, only one of the many people that uh, have, 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 that haven't failed in doing it, uh, Mark, so <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, mate, to, fi- to finish off, I guess, I wanted to, my listeners always love to hear a story. They want to find out uh, a story from Mark, you know, maybe a personal accomplishment, a hunting story, something you've thought about that sticks out in your mind as, say, a great day in your life. Can you, can you just explain it to us, you know, time of day, time of year, what happened? Just give us a good story. Yeah, well, I might do something that's a little bit of a combination because anyone that knows me will know just how important family is to me and I'm sure to a lot of other hunters as well. And some of my best hunting experiences are being shared with family. So things like sharing a duck mop blind with my brother when he was about 12 years old and watching shoot ducks with his little 20-gauge auto. Um, and again, the last two years at duck opening, which is a sacred day in my family... Um, my son is 22 and myself have been there there's two ducks have flown past with both shot at exactly the same time two ducks have hit the water at exactly the same time and um, you've never seen a prouder dad in your life um, I think to, you know I took my wife duck shooting once and just so that she could experience herd swamp up near Kerrang which I was involved in renovating after a bushfire and to see her sitting there all camoed up. She wasn't shooting. She was taking photos but watching me. You know, they're things that really stick in my mind. They're really good memories. Mm. I want to talk about that. You didn't mention your son before. Uh, have you got children? Have you got them into hunting? Are they into it? Not really? Yes or no? Um, my son doesn't share my passion, but he doesn't miss duck opening, and he'll come out hunting with me if I can assure him that he will get... Um, good shooting and he won't have to <laughs> wade through too deep a mud or that I'll bring my share of the decoys in yeah. uh, he, he doesn't like the hard work um, but he loves getting away he loves the social side He like, I think he likes being with his old man um, and he loves to hunt ducks and he's a very good shot for someone that shoots so little Yeah, only one son, any other kids? No. Uh, one son, I've got, a, I've got um, two daughters and a stepdaughter um, my Two daughters had a little dabble in shooting and hunting and now have no interest. My stepdaughter started showing real interest. Um, I was given a Italian Lucini side-by-side shotgun and a 22 
Pump Action American Noble, I think it was. Anyway, I brought them home and they were a bit rusty and she said, oh, she had looked at them and she said, oh, can I help you clean them up? I said, well, you can clean them up if you want, all together. So I gave her steel wool and oil and stock refinish and so on. She cleaned them up beautifully and I said, okay, you want to get your shooter's licence, you can have them. And um, she said, oh, great. So she started, got her shooter's licence, got to passed her waterfowl identification test, got her game licence, and next thing, um, she was pregnant. So, she, and she's had another <laughs> baby close on, so um, she hasn't really got to shoot them outside of, you know, having a bit of a, a plink at the range here and there, but she's very keen to, to get out hunting. When, with a six-year-old and a three-year-old, she's she's struggling a bit, but I'm taking the six-year-old out duck hunting with me on Saturday morning. He loves it. Um, he won't be, he's too young to shoot, but he'll be in there taking it, up, taking it all in and all camoed up. So <laughs> looking forward to it. Mark, I guess uh, the last question I wanted to ask you, if you could impart one last piece of knowledge on our listeners that listen to this show, what would it be to finish off? Oh, I'd say go out hunting often and stay out late if you want to get results and to maximise that hunting experience. Mark Little is part of our Everyday Hunter series here on the Australian Hunting Podcast. Mark, thanks for your time. I really do appreciate it. You've just been educated, and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.